4: The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. We're prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. In
0: 1877, the earth moved with the power of a footballing giant. And the world was introduced to the
2: beautiful game.
1: People might get winning here for world. Flash in the shot. What a
0: goal! Follows the hero again.
2: And a podcast is following the giant in its bid for glory. At the top of what it created all those years ago, this is the 77 Club.
0: Hello and welcome to episode 121 of the 77 Club. Harry, start with the socials.
4: The Wolf 77 Club on uh, Facebook and Instagram, at 77 Club Podcast on Twitter, and we're on YouTube now, The Wolf 77 Club on YouTube. Check it out. We're going to post some clips on there to our 110 subscribers there we go <laughs> four nonces for the price of one <laughs> and that's our first video took t- down straight away <laughs> <laughs> excellent
0: and okay well we'll start of course uh with league cup action once we uh, sort of got the streams going uh a disappointing one nil loss harry uh lots of changes in there we'll go through the team very quickly ruddy bolly cody sace bird and donka neves uh, vitina Vinagra, traore and
4: Silver making his debut too so it was exciting to begin with but the uh, game soon made up for that I saw the team and I was like yes Nuno's taking the cup seriously and you just mentioned the team there and it was pretty strong apart from obviously Fabio Silva and Vitinha and it looked like Stoke were playing pretty much their B team I'm not an expert on Stoke starting lineup but that's what it felt like to me <laughs> and it was probably one of the most boring games I've seen for a long time the commentator bored me to death on the £10 stream and we couldn't get going um the only chances that really spring to mind when I was paying attention to the screen, because I'll, I'll be honest, I was drifting off. Fabio Silva had a big, big chance and we paid for it in the end, didn't we? I thought it was going to be penalties and classic John Ruddy, just uh, butter fingers, puts, lets the ball go past him into the net. I mean, John Ruddy's been putting obviously Harry
0: for uh, these cup games. And again, we're calling into question exactly why
4: he's there. Well, we know that Nuno plays him in the Cups. He did, really has since he's come in, hasn't he, really? Apart from the first year when he played in goal. But I think he's uh, proven, I think his time has come to me. I know it might be harsh, but he's made a lot of mistakes the last few seasons in the Cup competitions he has played in. You think back to the Shrewsbury one, where he was going about four yards wide, he dived and hooked it into his own net. We've got this one against Stoke. And it's unfortunate because from what you hear, he's great in in and around the... dressing room and things like that you know a great person to have about experience but yeah unfortunately for him his performances are not backing up his personality around the dressing room Jack is it last chance saloon
0: for John Ruddy maybe the FA Cup or do you think you're looking at Rui Patricio for those sort of cup games now
3: I think last chance saloon might have uh, been gone to be honest I know we've been linked with a goalkeeper today in some places haven't we Uh, from Portugal so I think, yeah, maybe the sentiment is starting to wear off. But I don't want to single John Ruddy out, even though he should have saved that. He should have done better with that. Patricio saves that, and it goes. we at least get a penalty shootout out of that game, don't we? But it was, as you guys have said, probably one of the worst games of football I've ever watched. Mm-hmm. I think it wasn't helped by the fact there was no crowd noise. The crowd noise makes a massive, yeah. massive difference, yeah, does, I think. Yeah. Um, and then when you've only got one commentator... Uh, rather than having a, a commentator and a pundit, it just means they haven't got any of that stuff to bounce off each other and it just makes the atmosphere drab as it is. And then the football just lived up to that really low expectation and was just awful. Um, we had a lot of possession, didn't create enough. And as the game went on, you just thought, hang on, they're going to get a chance here. And they did and they scored it. And before you know it, all that hope and uh, thinking, you know, strongish team, we can do well here, we got a fairly favourable draw it's just thrown out the window and it's disappointing but I know you, everyone wakes up the next morning and just thinks at least it was only the World League Cup if we do that in the FA Cup though I'm not going to be happy and if if risking getting us through to round four means having a different goalkeeper I'm all for it
0: it was disappointing obviously to lose any game of football but there's a real chance to get far in that competition because we knew what opposition we were going to be against it was Gillingham next well I had, I had some money on us winning the uh, Carabao <laughs> Cup so that went well <laughs>
2: unbelievable <laughs> um i was more annoyed about paying a tenner to watch that to be honest because no, it I was agree. so bad and then they paid the commentator 10 quid because that was all he was worth so i pff, terrible game of football I, I i actually sent a message to our group at about 20 minutes in being like we're gonna lose this one nil in the 80th minute
0: you did, did actually yeah <laughs> yeah you did uh, harry it's the first time that we saw fabio silver uh start a game for wolves and didn't really live up to expectations. I know he got a few pals on Twitter and it sort of split opinion really because people were saying, well, here's a clip of Jimenez missing some sitters Mm. as well.
4: Yeah, um, look, it's his first game. He's only 18. And I think the price tag of the £35 we paid for him is going to put so much pressure on him. And everyone's just looking at that stream thinking, go on then, Fabio, win us the game. But it's not going to work like that. He looked okay. You know, he didn't look amazing. But everyone's going to remember that miss that I mentioned earlier. But in terms of his all-round play, he held up the ball okay. He made a few decent short passes and things like that. But... It's his first game. He's obviously got a lot of growing up to do and things like that, getting settled in the area. But I'm sure he'll live up to his potential. But we've got to give him a few years at least. We can't just judge him after his first game against Stoke.
0: But the kit that has uh, broken all records just before we move on to the uh, Man City game is the third choice kit for this season. It carries a certain theme that has uh, followed with a lot of our transfers actually, which is uh, a Portugal theme and. I got one straight away. As soon as I saw it, I thought, yes, I will actually spend £55 on that
4: shirt. Has anybody else got it, though?
0: I haven't yet. Yeah, I bought one. Are you going to, Harry?
4: Yeah, I will. I prefer it to the white one. It's. Uh, I'm glad Wolves are doing it because I think they're marketing geniuses at the moment. Obviously, they did the Mexico one last year. Everybody hates the fact we're signing all these Portuguese players. And just to play on it. It's worked a treat because obviously we know we've seen that it's one of the best-selling shirts of all time. I think they said so. I like yeah. it. I saw some complaints about the badge being like this, not being Same the actual kind of Walls look. badge. Yeah, but sod that. I really like it, and I will be getting it definitely. Really like it. I haven't yet, but I'm going. To.
0: It's hugely popular. Came out on Friday morning, and within less than 24 hours, at Eclipse of Sales record set by last season's home shirt by 6% so accumulated 117% more sales than the third kit that you mentioned there Harry the Mexico one compared to last season so it's clearly very popular I don't think I he- I saw a bad word said about it on Twitter only by rival fans that were saying oh it looks like a porch <laughs>
3: <laughs> that's the point there you go.
0: Yeah, that's literally the point uh, what we'll do is we move on to um, Manchester City and we just thought like, let's get the Stoke game behind us and Jack, I know that you and I were feeling particularly good about this game and feeling quite excited about it.
3: Obviously, you should be excited when you're going to play one of the best two teams in the country because that's why you want to be in the Premier League. But as the day went on, I just thought more and more into it and I thought, you know what, I think we're going to get something. At first, I thought it was going to be really, really difficult and then just before kick-off, I was like, you know what, I've seen the team, I've seen their team, I think we can get out that defence and um, I I fancy us, I fancy us to get something. And then... My optimism was uh, shortly followed by probably the biggest battering in a half of football that I think we've had since we returned to the Premier League. And that's no exaggeration. They absolutely battered us. We were lucky to go in 2-0 at half-time. You can talk about the, the, the talking points and, like, Saints and everything, but they were on it, and we weren't getting anywhere near them. And I think that 45 minutes of football shows how far we are away from not necessarily the top six, but the top two teams in the country because that was... Incredible! The fact that we're even in with a chance in the last ten minutes of the game, you know, it's 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 amazing, really, because they should have been out of sight.
2: Jack, I think I counted up the amount of time we actually had possession and the longest we held the ball for in the first half was about fourteen, fifteen seconds. It's <laughs> unreal! How how insane is that? Like I know we play without possession sometimes against the better teams, but we never had the ball for more than two or three passes.
0: Rui in goal, Trey, right wing back. And we said last week on the podcast that he's just not made for that position. Bolly, Cody, Sais, Marcel, Martinio, Neves, Neto, Jimenez, Pedente. It's a strong side, isn't it, Harry? And it didn't help to be fair that Marcel goes off injured after the sort of eight minutes.
4: Yeah, and I also thought Venagre wasn't very good when he came on. Um I agree the first half was terrible and I was fearing we could we could be losing four or five nilia. But fair play because Nuno must have proper had to go to him at time because the early parts of the second half, we were really good. We had a lot of chances. You could probably argue our finishing was terrible, which I'd agree with. Raoul had a few, yeah. Peden had that chip, but when we get the goal from the header from Raoul, I'm thinking then we could actually nick a result here. But it wasn't to be. But because of the second half, I'm not as worried as I'd have been if it had carried on like that for the whole game. So yeah, the starting team was probably our strongest at the moment. But obviously, we know we've got players to come in. So on the on the whole on the whole game, you can take positives out of it because of the second half. Jack, in terms
0: of of the overall performance of the second half, I know we were talking a lot about last season about how Wolves are a second-half team and sort of against Sheffield United we were saying exactly the opposite with two goals in the first six minutes. But did you see glimpses of of what this side could do? I mean, Harry mentioned it there. I think we were very, very disappointed. I think I was anyway with some of Jimenez's finishing because you, you just didn't see him on it. But then he scored a great header.
3: Yeah, second half was more like the Wolves that we've um, we've grown to know and love, particularly against the the big teams and the, and the top six teams, and we created chances. I just think that although we got the goal, I think we got it a little bit too late. If, we'd have, if Podence would have converted that one where he chose to sort of lob the keeper, uh, or if Jimenez had put that one in when Torre cuts it back, I think that probably gives us a bit more time to get back in the game then. But it, it was country miles ahead of where we were in the in the first half, when we were just second to anything and we just couldn't contain them, and they, they pressed us every time we had the ball, and forced us into making silly mistakes and i know you, you were saying sam that just our, our passing on our the way we're keeping the ball was just not like us at all because we were giving it away so so cheaply yeah. which usually i think it just it just honestly did panic us a bit and it was getting frustrating uh but yeah there was it it wasn't all doom and gloom which at halftime i thought it was going to be and i thought we were in for a right battering so he's done well to go in and turn it around like he always seems to Nuno at halftime when he talks to them and we can still go away with our heads held high i think
0: Bayless, have you ever seen a Wolves side and Danino give the ball away that much? No, to be perfectly honest, I haven't. But I don't think I've seen us be pressed
2: like that with that level of quality before either. Um, Cliché, I know it is, but game of two halves. And I thought the way they came out in the second half and the way they reacted was very good. So, although the first half was a disaster, whether you want to call it poor from Wolves or exceptional from Man City, either way, it was a disaster. But the second half, we showed really well of ourselves bit more clinical with the finishing if we would have done that 10 games into the season I think it would have been a different result Um, we could have been looking at a 2-2 rather than a 3-1 so I think there's plenty to take from the game from our end I'm not entirely disappointed by it it just shows the quality that City have and when they go and batter a team I think if that was Leeds that's 6-0 so
0: Harry dropped down to bloody 12th oh dear
4: <laughs> nah uh, just on the performance as well I just want to mention the the only negatives as well I want to mention obviously the first half was bad was kind of defensively I think Bolly Willie Bolly's looking a bit dodgy at the moment um, two bad performances in a row I know Stokes of the League Cup whatever and he's got a Dahmer in front of him but also Sace went from hero to zero didn't he after diving in against De Bruyne for the first goal but hopefully the defence can improve a bit um Rare I say this but Cody was probably the best defender on the night out the three at the back which oh. that's two weeks in a row really? I've uh, praised Cody now Um the left wing back position slightly worrying I hope Marcel is not too serious because I love Vinagre I'm one of his biggest fans really but he had a really awful night in terms of just doing about a million step overs and not doing much with it and not the best defensively either but we were playing Man City you've got to remember that they had some catching up to do didn't they have to start in the season late so no disgrace losing to them but we need to sort out some individual performances at the back. Although we did keep a clean sheet against Sheffield United, still a bit of a worry with the, with the likes of Bolly and Say. So I thought.
2: It's definitely my fault that Bolly had a shocker because I bigged him up on that video with the Man City fan. <laughs> yeah. And everything oh, God. I say, everything I say, the opposite happens.
0: So. <laughs> <laughs> well. You'd done with Joe Media a combined Wolves eleven, so they grabbed a Manchester City fan. You were invited into their studios in London to pick your combined team. Have you got that team in front of you, just to sort of go through who you picked? Um, because it's still available on social media. Uh, who did you go for in the end? The players, but I can tell you that I got in. Patricia
2: in goal. Bolly in the middle at the back, which you've got a lot of stick for. People want Cody. Got Traore in, got Neves in, got Matino in. Mm. I also was called every name under the sun in the comments. Oh, but
4: you shouldn't have read the comments, <laughs> mate.
2: If you want to know why Carolyn Flack hung herself, read the oh, comments no. on
4: Facebook. Jesus. I'm glad I'm thick skinned and I don't care. Well, the thing is, Bayless, the amount of views that video got across all of Joe's social media, YouTube you like could million. have picked. Yeah, YouTube could have picked the perfect team said everything right but you still would have got loads of idiots slagging you off so you can't win can you certainly can't but what you can do is ask tony blackburn to do a top <laughs> 10 of uh
0: the biggest trolls followed by bayliss's comments and to you fair to you bayliss you kept it clean yeah for, i i quite enjoyed it anyone that took yeah. a dig
2: i was like right if it's a really good like really dirty dig i'll try and wind them up i'll try and go in and see if i can get a nibble every single one back down it shows how faceless the trolls are.
0: So the second they realise who they're talking to, they're like, "Oh yeah, no, oh. sorry mate." <laughs> <laughs> well, let's see, uh, Tony. Okay. Yeah, not too bad, thanks. Sam actually. I was in the street the other day and uh, came across a young girl crying her eyes out. I bent over and shouted to her. No, no, but seriously, that's one for another day. Let's do it then, shall we? We'll start at number ten, John Paul Albion Westwood. This is why Wolves fans are classed as arrogant. I read this at five, two, nine after looking at the league table. In at nine, Brandon Owen. The fans you get on here, they're both Southerners. Nah, City Labs from Stockport and Starport is about 20 miles from Wolverhampton. Cheers for the geography lesson, Bayliss. In at eight, it's a non-mover for Jason Cooper. People on here are stupid as fuck. Cheers, Penfold. Jason, you do look like a virgin. In at seven, David. David Tyler, possibly the two worst people in the world. Trump, Putin, the Chinese re-education camps. Nah, two lads talking about football is worse. Sid James in six. Non-mover, these are the most plastic fans I've seen in my life. Season ticket holder since I was eight. I've seen plenty of plastic seats, though. In at five, James Walters. <laughs> what a bunch of sea words That's not very nice, James. Not disputing it, though. Into four, Mark Jennings, leaders of the Wolves Public Supporters Club in fine. Nah, Stourport High School, massive mate. Jakey, A V F C. This Wolves fan is a plastic. Little bit harsh, Jakey. Does your mum let you abuse people online, (laughs) or will I have to ask her to put you on the naughty step? Sally Khan. This Wolves fan (laughs) is a clown, a bloody (laughs) good-looking clown. But in at number one, Mark Worthington, pair of tits. How is your mum? There you go, there is Dan, you know, taking it all in good stride. Thick skin, we'd like to see it.
4: (laughs) And what we'll do is (laughs) we will... uh, I've had plenty of experience from you lot, to be honest. Sam, can I just say (laughs) something as well? Before we move on from the Man City game, we've got got to, like, bow homage or whatever you want to call it to Pedence's Megs on De Bruyne setting up him and a lot has been made of that online. So he was my man of the match for what it's worth. Pedence, brilliant.
3: The one thing that annoys me is we lost that game 3-1. Yeah, when we and we're in a position to get something and all you've seen and Wolves Twitter official Twitter are guilty of this as well is them replaying the bloody goal that we, the one goal we scored because De Bruyne gets mugged like we've just won the league I think we lost 3-1 just just get back in your box and let's regroup we don't say bloody hell yeah, look at this goal we scored against Man City it's brilliant it's small club mentality I'm sorry Just it's, it doesn't matter whether it's a wonder goal or not we lost 3-1 that's the result we should care about and I'll shut up now
0: no I think it's a great point uh, you know it's it's one of those things. I suppose it gets the views, though, and um, pushes the club as a brand. Uh, what we'll do now is uh, get your away perspective for West Ham. The away perspective. What have our opponents got to say? Joined then by James from We Are West Ham. James, how is it going to begin with? Uh,
1: yeah, fine. Yeah, if, uh, if you're not talking about the football, everything's absolutely fine,
0: yeah. Uh, first <laughs> off, I want to tr- uh, start with Trevor Sinclair, who's on Talk sport on wednesday saying it could be the 7th of november by the time west ham pick up any points
1: uh, yeah i mean it's difficult to disagree with them given if you look at our fiction list um at the start that we've had as well it's um, i mean we, we, we looked at that newcastle again at the beginning of the season it's probably our most winnable game out of our first seven or eight and obviously we lost that uh and then followed up with a better performance against arsenal but there's still no points and you know when you've got sales coming up this weekend and we have got spurs coming up and, and a few other difficult teams, like pretty much all t- top six clubs um it, it wouldn't be a surprise if we do get to the beginning of november without any points. yeah i mean i don't disagree with trevor so
0: it's still a transfer Ooh. window it's open till the 5th of october the man that's probably still turning heads over at london rivals chelsea is declan rice have you got any yeah. light to shed on that situation
1: well, as far, as far as I understand it, there's still no, been no bid. Um, but we are pretty you much know, expecting Chelsea to make a move. Um, it's just whether we can we can hold firm and, and get the fee that, that we want for him. I, I think most West Ham fans would be annoyed if he went for less than 60, given, his, uh, given the reputation he's built up over the last couple of years. Regular start for England, you know, he should be going for that sort of rate.
0: He's worth but, 60 quid, isn't he?
1: 60 quid, yeah. Yeah, at least 60 quid, yeah. I mean, we are desperate for money, so I wouldn't be surprised if (laughs) someone took that.
0: Um, Obviously, music to Wolves fans ears listening to that. They would have been buoyed by the 5-1 win over Hull in midweek. Do you think it'll give them a little bit of an edge?
1: Potentially, yeah. I think we beat Charlton in the previous round, just before the Arsenal performance. You can see there was a little bit of confidence back in the team, but... You know, if anything, the whole game proves that there are a number of players that haven't been starting in the league that potentially, you know, have done enough in those two cup games to, to warrant, warrant a start and, uh, you know, make a difference. You know in one, Anderson, Yamanenko is inside the 4 So, there are players there that, you know, they're confident. they performed in two cup games. Um, stick them in and hopefully we can we can start looking, looking like a proper football team again because we haven't looked like one for a while.
0: Does it look like Haller will keep his place from Hull then, or do you think he'll stick with Antonio, of course, started against Arsenal?
1: I'd be I'd be surprised if Moyes puts it back in. You know, he, he seems to prefer Antonio's work rate over Haller's ability. Um, I think Antonio just offers that little bit more energy up front than Haller does, but then Haller's a better finisher. Um, it's just trouble with Haller is that Moyes hasn't really found the right system and the right way of playing to his strengths. And that sounds ridiculous, given the club paid 45 million quid for him. But it's just—it's the truth. Like we just still haven't been able to, to to use him properly in the league. And Antonio wins over Morris every time, especially given his form since the restart back at the last season. I'd be surprised if Haller starts against Wolves at the weekend. Definitely.
0: A lot's being said against Wolves. New signing, uh, Nelson Smedo, today. He will go on the right-hand side if he does start. We're not sure whether he will yet. Sometimes Nuno doesn't slot those players who've just signed straight in. Uh-huh. But that right-hand side for Wolves could be problematic for West Ham's left side.
1: Yeah, I mean, any, anything from... I mean, our defence is terrible, regardless. Um, I was talking to, to one of our guys on the podcast the last night. It was like, how do we stop Jimenez up front? But then you have to you have to worry about the wings as well, and we haven't invested in in either side of the pitch. Um, and you know, yeah, we've got wingers, but they, they've been relatively ineffective. And um, you know, if any of if, if, if your fullbacks or, or wide players get get into into advanced positions, then they're going to have a chance to create chances because you know, defensively we haven't been great. Uh, a little bit better against Arsenal, but you know, uh, whether it's semedo or anyone else, you know, you're going to be able to cause these problems definitely.
0: Obviously with Leeds back in the Premier League, a lot of nostalgia about the last time they were here. It makes me think of that West Ham side that was too good to go down. Is the one at the moment too bad to stay up?
1: <laughs> um, so I, I, as much as I'm, I'm quite negative about the whole thing at the moment, um, we were saying on our podcast on Tuesday that you know, there is enough quality in that team um, that, that suggests that it would be too good to go down again. Um, but the problem we've got is that there's so much negativity and, and bad politics going on off the pitch that we, we, we feel as though it's rubbing off on the team. And when you've got uh, owners that don't really want to invest in the squad, uh, you've got a manager that, you know, is he good enough? Is he not? We haven't really worked it out yet. He doesn't know how to use certain players in certain ways. Um, it's only going to be one way at the moment. We need to find problem, uh, fixes and problems we've got. But on paper, and we've showed against Hull in the cup, Charlton in the cup, you know, in stages against Arsenal in the league last weekend, that there's enough in that squad to, to stay in the Premier League and be battling mid-table. But for some reason, it's not working at the moment. So, it's not too bad to stay out. I think we are still too good to go down, but you just never know with us.
0: <laughs> and just finally, a score prediction from yourself. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to
1: stay positive. Um, and at the moment,
0: positive is a draw.
1: So, I'm going to say one all and um, we'll take a point and that'll be our first goal against Wolves since, since you guys were promoted a couple of years ago which is an even bigger bonus that's been one of my biggest bugbears you we just can't score against Wolves at the moment <laughs> um, so hopefully hopefully whoever starts up front can make one
0: hey well long may that record continue of course best of bad luck James for the weekend and we'll catch up with you later on in the season Cheers, guys. Thank you. The away perspective What have our opponents got to say? It all seemed pretty much doom and gloom there didn't it gents uh, from the uh, James the West Ham fan uh, Going into this one, Harry we must be quite confident we just don't lose against
4: West Ham under Nuno Yeah it feels like that way doesn't it? Um, it, it It's To me it's games like this where if we want to do like push towards a top six as some fans want, we've got to be beating West Ham away They've lost to Newcastle which I watched the game and they were awful They're a bit better against Arsenal, you could argue. They lost that. They're doing okay in the Carabao Cup, as mentioned, in the UA perspective. But we've got to win. They're a poor side. They've been having protests outside the ground during the first game. And we've got to win this game. Hopefully, the new boys will be available, which I'm sure we'll get onto in a minute, the new transfers. But... Yeah, three points is a must, and I hope I haven't jinxed it saying that, but we're a much better side than them, and I hope we can beat them. Jack, the wing-back situation is looking slightly
0: better than it was uh, post-Man City. (laughs) Obviously, Marcel going off. We don't know the situation with them, as uh, per usual, really, with uh, injuries when it comes to Wolves. They are few and far between, but uh, that man, Nelson Samedo, has made his move from Barcelona. Lots of people saying that he isn't any good, but I don't think you agree with them, do you?
3: Well... I can't say I'm an expert, but I think you must be a relatively half decent footballer if you've made a hundred something plus game played a hundred something plus games for Barcelona. I'd been there starting right back for a few years. And I think this Obviously, people and Barcelona fans and whoever it is, the Twitter army, probably think it's oh, he's, he's not that good defensively. But when you're playing with backs, this is just as much an attacking signing as it is a defensive signing, and that's the reason. And if you think if these two have got pace and he can play with Traore down that side, those two could scare some defences to death if they click. So only time will tell whether it's good business or not. But I think when we sold... Doherty, that was probably always in Nuno's mind that we could get someone in like this. So, you know, established right back. He's played Champions League football for one of the best teams in the world. So what if people say that it's a bad deal or, or, or people on Twitter are saying he's rubbish? People was, other people have said other players were rubbish. Uh, Tororo was rubbish when he came, but Nuno can sort them out anyway. So I don't buy it. He's got to have some level of quality and I'd expect him to... I'd be immediately in that right-wing-back position because I don't want to see Traore play there again.
0: It's a lot of money, isn't it, Dan? But he's better than Doty, isn't he? I hope so. I want
2: to see him play a bit more. I've <laughs> watched a bit of the old YouTube stuff and going forward, he's got really good feet, quick. It'd be nice to see him attacking with Traore. People have questioned him defensively, but if you take it all off one Champions League semi-final, then you're going to have to write off some exceptionally good players, including Messi. So I'm going to ignore that one. Very good point. So I'm um, yeah I'm pretty optimistic about it. We've got someone in that's got an attacking mind. He's clearly pretty quick, pretty
0: agile. I just hope he can bloody defend. Harry, what changes from the city game? I'm guessing you're going to move a couple of players around, maybe not dropping them to the bench.
4: Yeah, um, well if he's if he's available, um, Samido, so you've got to you've got to push Adama up top, haven't you? Then it's who do you drop? Neto and Pedence. For me, I'd probably let Neto miss out because Pedents has been really good, as mentioned. And as you were really maybe maybe bring in Dendonca for Matino because I don't know about you lads but Matino didn't have the best of games against City so and he had a Dendonca had a really good game against uh, Sheffield United in the first game so we might see that change hopefully Marcel's fit as uh, we've discussed earlier so yeah I'm sure that team is more than capable of beating West Ham hope they do and I hope Sumido does well because it's huge isn't it a Son a player from Barcelona I know that some journalists were criticising the fee saying it was 29 million we sold Doherty for 15 but you got to look at their age What Doherty's late 20s Semedo is a bit younger, so hopefully he does well. I agree with Bayliss, he looks quick, he looks skillful, and if him and Adama can combine, as you've mentioned, Jesus, we're going to be frightening down that right side. With Moutinho, do you think it's becoming more that Neves is playing
0: better with a little bit more freedom when Moutinho isn't next to him now and it's sort of almost not phasing Moutinho out but he's playing maybe less of a role going forward and maybe eventually next season possibly moving on to the coaching staff because I know a lot of people are touting him to eventually take over from Nuno
3: No I still think this season and next season that he'll be in, in and around the team to be honest I, I do agree that it was harsh to drop Donker and you do sometimes see a, again we were playing Man City so I'm not reading too much into the whole, the whole game at all really but I would have potentially maybe in hindsight now look back maybe you should have started all three of them considering how overrun we got mm, <laughs> particularly yeah. in the first half um so yeah but uh, we've said it before that sometimes it could, it doesn't quite work when Neves and Moutinho do play together so I'll be quite happy with whoever he starts really I agree that Torre probably has to be pushed up front and you probably have to drop Neto which is harsh on Neto but I suppose when Podence um when Podence is just in such good form you can't really but it'd be interesting to see what he does but um I don't think it'll be massive changes.
4: Do you agree? With, I know we're on I'm talking about WhatsApp. Again, we do this a lot. But do you agree what Seb said on WhatsApp? He believes that Hoover might come in right right centre back, and Bolly switches to left centre back, drops Says and then Samido right wing back. Do you think that'll actually happen eventually? He's young, any the new lad from Liverpool.
3: Maybe longer term that might be the plan, but I don't think it will happen immediately in time for Sunday. I think yeah. it will take time to 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 bed him in. Um, but yeah, yeah, potentially it could it could be the longer term plan, but. I don't know, and I don't also want to just judge say based on because he had a, a really run of the match against Sheffield United and yeah okay, he made a really poor judgment call to give away that penalty. So I don't just want to just jump on him say he's immediately going to re- be replaced just for that because all the defense were poor really. So we'll see how it goes. And also actually just on West Ham, the elephant in the room here is that is the game got a chance of being. Called oh, off good, if point, yeah. got good point. Yeah, got coronavirus. No, because they played so, last night. Yeah. Yeah, it but they only found out, out an hour. But they only found out an hour before that that they they had some positive tests in the camp. So, I mean, if their manager isn't there, he, there's no way if he's got coronavirus now he'd have to self isolate for two weeks, won't he, Moyes? So, I hope he goes ahead. I, 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 <laughs> the time recording
4: <laughs> it is, isn't it, on Wednesday us. night? So, yeah. <laughs> well,
2: doing a favour without Moyes to be honest. <laughs>
0: uh, score prediction down.
2: <laughs> I'm going two 0 I said it on um, the West Ham podcast. It's two. It's two nil or 3-1 Wolves I don't think we're going to concede though I, I just think we're way stronger than they are we, we only played them what 8 weeks ago if that
4: feels like it it's it's really? the first
3: game I back, think we've beaten them every time haven't we And have we even let in a goal yeah. in the process since no. we came back up No. 1-0 3-0 2-0 sound 2-0 um. West Ham then for me <laughs> uh, Harry yeah
4: I like the sound of 2-0 so I'm going to go 4-1 Wolves <laughs> perfect uh, we'll get your latest betting on some ticket news
2: Hi, I'm Kelly Chris Kamara, you're listening to The
0: 77 Club, and it's unbelievable, Jeff. You might as well just go straight to your betting news, Bayliss has that.
2: No, there's loads of ticket
0: news.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Tons of the stuff.
0: Jack, what are all
2: your ticket fans
3: doing? Well, I think, let's let's go uh, talk about... Government government advice, but it's looking like we're not going to get in the ground anytime soon, isn't it? Really, we aren't seeing uh, football
2: this year. The latest
3: announcements, definitely not this year, and potentially not even till as late as March next year. So, I'm—I don't know about you, but I'm a bit of a pessimist here. I think we might have to just write this season off as being a completely behind closed doors. Looks that way. And even if we do get back in, it's not going to be the way we all want it to be. It will be a case of oh, the two thousand of you can come in and all sit apart. So. Just fed up, to be honest. But
0: I want to play you actually a clip of uh, the Yeovil Town manager is Darren Saal. Uh, they had uh, just under a thousand fans in against Bath City because they're part of this pilot that was trying to get um, fans back into stadiums, which has obviously been put on hold uh, for now. and This is what he had to say post game.
2: We've spent an awful lot of money in making us COVID secure. I thought, you know, the behaviour and the um, conduct of our supporters was magnificent. And unless there is some sort of package, some sort of saviour out there, football will die. Football will fall. Obviously, that would be a huge shame because it is the nation's game.
0: Harry, do you think it would be the end of the football? I mean, I think we're seeing game by game, no fans, that the quality
4: is getting worse. I am... When the season was starting back up, obviously, there was a short turnaround, but... I honestly, when I heard the news that we might be coming back in in October, and obviously we heard the news that the teams lower lower down were starting to bring people in, I was like, yes, we're starting to see the progression. But the fact that we could spend a whole season watching behind closed doors games on telly, it's hard to watch games for me. I mean, even the Liverpool-Leeds game, 4-3, an absolute entertaining end-to-end game, it still didn't. It was good, but it just wasn't right, was it? And when there's a drub game with no fans, its I find myself turning games off now. Obviously, I always watch the Wolves games, but we need the fans in there and it's going to affect the whole season. Obviously, it's going to affect the lower leagues. And I'm gutted, if it does go the whole season without fans, it's going to affect not only the lower leagues with financial, but I think in terms of the viewing figures and that for the Premier League, will probably suffer as well from my point of view. I think it will anyway. I think you're right on the liverpool Leeds game.
2: I did the same thing, watched it. And I would have just loved to have seen a Leeds oh. and cry, cry in and it crying. But
4: out. how gutted do the Leeds fans be, man, though their first away game back in the Prem after yeah. sixteen years and have to watch it on telly and there's no fans in there. It's I mean it would be even funny if they get relegated.
3: The <laughs> amount of games that we, we
4: go to, we probably all say about two or three grand each. So
3: <clears throat> the the one thing that you said in the group actually, Harry, which probably hit, hit home the most, and it was like and you said, I'm glad we're not in Europe now. Mm. And it's yeah. it, it, it kind of just get to that point, doesn't it? Where you're thinking, if we'd had a got Champions League this year and our reward for wanting this all our lives, lifetime as Wolves fans is we have to basically turn into a Man United fan for the season and watch all the games on telly, then it's just not worth it, is it? And the whole point of wanting these big occasions is so you can go there, enjoy them and experience them. And if you can't well. do that, then what's the point? It's just ripping the life out of football, isn't it? And it is... It, it is part of it and it just makes you realise... At the same time, we're, we're lucky because we all know these armchair fans who all they, they say to support a club and support a club means they buy a shirt and watch every game at the pub for their top six team. But we know what it's like to actually experience these sort of things and it's it's ripping our, what we've grown accustomed to and why we fell in love with football out of our game and even though we do a podcast about it and we're talking about it it would just be so much different to be able to be back in the ground and it's it's just a sad set of circumstances really isn't it this, we're not going to go all political but
0: No uh, we um, will talk about non-league football later but obviously it doesn't help as well when these lower league sides don't seem to be taking it quite as seriously as they should be because having news in that Leighton Orient and Tottenham won't be playing the Carabao Cup this week because a number of Leyton Orient players, 18 of them, have got coronavirus, and they've admitted actually they weren't feeling 100% the week before when they played Plymouth, and actually that's a, a, a infect, they've infected a player and back and one backroom uh, backroom staff at uh, Plymouth as well. So they're actually spreading the virus around, which obviously isn't great when you've got 18 players isolated but also that's 18 players who have families, it's 18 players who are uh, you know, going out and, and potentially spreading it in the pub not after 10pm obviously um, but do, do you think teams are taking this seriously, I mean th- these are the teams that are going to be affected the most isn't it Dan?
2: It's lower league football that's going to get affected the worst, the Premier League got the billions and billions to deal with it I think there needs to be a support or relief fund put in place to help all of English football recover from this it's not fair that the I know that we're a fan of them and we want to be at the top of it, but it's not fair that our our team and teams around us get to make serious amounts of money and it might be the death of some of the non-league teams or lower league teams. I think there really needs to be a think next year when Sky and Amazon and whoever the hell it might be go and pitch their um pitch their claim for the TV rights. So I think there should be a portion of it that gets distributed against the lower teams.
0: And Bayliss has your betting odds. Yeah, we're there. I think we're about five, five minutes of... Uh,
2: <laughs> digressing about some other nonsense. Uh, first one I noticed, Wolves are above even money. Oh. 11 to 10.
4: That was a great bet. I'd say we're favourites, aren't we? We are, is that a, right? We are away. Yeah, 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 does that mean we're like. Sorry, I'm not the best with odds. Does that put us underdogs? No? Is that a...
2: No, we're favourites. We're favourites. the right yeah. side
4: of even money. Yeah. Oh, that's good. I,
2: but just the right side of even money. I thought that was strange. Um, I picked out another couple of other bets. Tell me what you think. Um, first goal to be between the 60th and 70th minute 12 to
3: 1 what sort of stupid bet is that like? <laughs> oh there's no specials there's no
2: specials we're too early recording on a Wednesday specials don't come out till Thursday night it's so alright carry to, on about to pick some nonsense the other ones I quite liked Sace and Fredericks for West Ham to both get carded 9 to 1 and a couple Ooh, of scorecasts. Yeah. the two that I'm going to stick a fiver on each Raul Jimenez to score first and Wolves 2-0 22 to 1 nice and the one I really fancy Daniel pretends to score first. Wolves to win 3-1.
0: 95-1. Tasty. Excellent. Uh, that's your latest betting odds and ticket news. And we'll move on now to transfers. Hi, I'm George Elokobi. You are listening to the Wolves 77. It came out of the blue, didn't it, really? Diogo Jota's move to Liverpool. All of a sudden, Diogo Jota is one of the best players in the world, according to any Liverpool fan or outlet media centre that you speak to. Um, here's Nuno talking about Jota. Diogo is amazing. Everybody knows the the relationship that that, uh, we built during four seasons and three seasons in particular here in Wolves. Um, What what Diogo did for us um, is absolutely fantastic. And um, I think things happen uh, when naturally things should happen. Um, And I think Diogo um, is going to the right place and we wish him all the best uh, knowing that will never be forgotten especially uh, by our fans all the things that all the memorable moments that uh, Diogo provides us during three seasons here at Wolves. So I think for a lot of people Harry he was unplayable and brilliant on his day um, but his days didn't really come round too often enough.
4: Yeah um... His consistency, every Wolves fan you've looked at reacting to this transfer have been all about his consistency. He's a great player when he wants to be, but he's still young, he's still 23, so he could go on to be absolutely incredible uh, for Liverpool if he can up his consistency. But it it really did gut, I was gutted when I heard the news, it shocked me. I I kept saying on the podcast last year, I thought Liverpool would come in for Traore because of how much Klopp kept praising him, but... It's a, it's a hard move for Jota to turn down. Is it at the end of the day? He 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 was struggling. He was in and out of the team uh, towards the end of last year because of his consistency. Like Pedent's come in, so it's a lot of money for a player that goes missing for large portions of the season. But best to look to it. Best of luck to look for him at Liverpool. I hope he does well. But from our point of view, it's a lot of money. We're going to reinvest it, which we already have with Samido, and we've got a lot of plays in his area. So a bit um. A bit gutting to see him go because, you know, the nostalgia. He's been with us pretty much the whole of Nuno's era, hasn't he? And he's been such a yeah. huge player and some great goals, some great memories. But best of luck to him and let's uh, hope he's shit when he plays us.
0: <laughs> I would have thought so, yeah. Um, Jack, you can't turn down £41 million
3: rising to a potential £45 million, can you? Um, I mean, you can, but I think it's probably... I, I'm like Harry, I was... Everyone knows who probably listens to this regularly that Joss is probably my favourite player. And I was shocked when I heard the news. Didn't think there was much in it. But if Nuno's got a plan, you've got to trust him. When we sold Doherty, there was a plan. And to get over £40 million for um, you know a player who... Let's be honest. He, everyone knows he's inconsistent, and he—I'm his biggest fan—and I'll say, yeah, he goes through spells of being a world beater, and then the spells of just looking like a passenger in the game. Sometimes that might be a bit harsh, but so to get that amount of money for him, it's it might end up being good business and it might be a good move for all parties and there will be a long term plan to potentially replace him and I think the replacement is Daniel Podence and we got him last January to be honest so if that money can be reinvested wisely then then so be it. Um, but I agree on the point that now suddenly everyone thinks he's the best player in the world when he was hardly getting a look in behind our other stars for pretty much the whole of last season really. He was quite far down the list of players I expected a big team to come in for um, so it's a strange one, only time will tell. But it does feel like when you think back to the moments we've had and the goals he scored, and like the goal against Man United, the winner against Leicester in the 4 3, they're great moments. And I, I don't deny him his move if, if it's what he wanted, fair enough. But you know, a little bit of uh, the initial Nuno era dies with him leaving, and, and it's sad. But hopefully, it's progression. And I know a lot of people actually were going on about that deal that, that oh, we're only getting four million pounds up front or something and everyone's like it's it's not that great a deal the forty million but that's how a lot of deals work. You don't just get paid a check for forty one million. It's it's no. the way folks and do their business is they like to spread stuff over five years anyway. And you can if you need to you can borrow against that money. So it's it's not that straightforward. It's it's the, the money we're getting, we're gonna get it at some point at the end of the day, and that's how the deal works. So I'm not too fussed about that. And I think it is it might turn out to be good mis- business in a master stroke. I think he's going to struggle to get in that Liverpool starting team as well. But mm. uh, I'm I'm yeah. sad, uh, but, but not completely as deflated as I was when the news first broke, if I'm honest.
0: Perfect. Uh, lots of people on Twitter were, were getting salty. Mostly Villa fans, weren't they, Dan? Um, saying Portugal FC, etc. I think it was Ryan Lester at the... Oh, it was a Birmingham Mail. Where I did a bingo card of... Um, what people were saying, sort of like Portugal wolves and Portugal FC and all that sort of stuff. Um, lots of Photoshop pictures of Ronaldo in a wolf shirt today, though. You love to see it. We've Wolves have got a team of Portuguese players and Villa have got a team of shit.
2: So you know, it's Jack Grealish and a ton of crap. So it doesn't really matter. Um, so what? I think the move for Jota is a good move for him. I think he's very been very inconsistent for Wolves and. He's in a position, especially in a position on the pitch, where you have to prove your quality and win games for a team. When he moves to Liverpool, he's a little bit less expectation. Some world-class players around him. Not that we haven't got world-class players, but some real world-class players around him. Um, He might pick up a few goals. He might get to be a bit more free with the way he plays his game. But as Jack said, I think he is, as well, quite inconsistent. He can disappear for games in a row. So, Podenska's been tried and tested at Olympiakos and proved himself. He absolutely took Tottenham to shreds when he played there last year, and we bought him off the back of it. I think we have already found the replacement. Perfect. Uh, We'll
0: move on to non-league football.
3: Hi, I'm Steve Ball, and you're listening to The
0: 77 Club. Uh, Harry, you said you were triggered straight away as soon as I asked the question on the group. I'll ask it again in the hope of triggering triggering you twice as much. Non-league football,
4: do we need it? Of course we do. Um... The reason I was slightly triggered on the WhatsApp group is I thought you were referring to hashtag United, but we'll leave that. Uh, yeah, it's, it's so huge um, for local communities. Like a, a, you, you watch the Salford documentaries that Sky, and they were originally on BBC, I think. You get such like the, the people who live right by the small non-league clubs like Salford, like Starport, Swifts in our area. It's their life. It's their bread and butter. It's if we lost the non league we'd lose the romance of football because a few about 8 years ago i started to lose a bit of well probably longer ago than that probably when Abramovich took over chelsea when money started getting really important in the top end of football in the premier league i was really starting to lose the love of football a bit because the non league still got that aspect of you know relying on fans turning up relying on fans money Local fans turning up all the time. You know what I mean? Local players playing. So it's the bread and butter of football. And if we lose the grassroots, we lose the non-league, we may as well just scrap football altogether because that's the basis of what football is. And I'd be really good if we lost it because although Wolves have been ploughed with money with Foson and that, that's the way the top-level football is these days, don't get me wrong. But that nostalgic feel of just having your local fans and players playing for a team, we can't lose that. So... I like, I like what
2: Harry said there. And I was expecting Sam to get stuck in a little bit first. I want to hear the other side of the story. I want to hear the other side of the story first because I've got a good friend um, who goes and watches a non-league team. That's his, You've got a friend? Uh, yeah, other than you three. Uh, Are they friends? He goes and watches non-league football. He doesn't like Premier League football. He hates VAR. His, his enjoyment is going out and um, very strangely watching Bromley FC. So I raised the point with him. But Mm -hmm. I want to hear the argument against non-league football first before I then tell you what he said to me. Because I've got the messages lined up, ready to go.
0: I just don't understand what it brings to football, to be honest. I think you get a better quality of football in the under-23s when they're playing. You get a better calibre of player. You don't get (laughs) your mate playing at left-back for for, Kitty Harriers or whatever. I don't know what it brings to the economy in terms of how much money goes through none of your mates had play at Kitty we were all shite <laughs> <laughs> I don't know you, can, you might be able to get a game I said, don't <laughs> know what you get really I mean they weren't drawing in big crowds anyway and we used I well, played that clip of the Yeovil town manager you know they, they were in the league for about 40 years before they got relegated about two seasons ago but they were, there were still tickets available for that pilot game Now, I know that it's coronavirus is a little bit different because the amount of people that you're actually potentially selling tickets to is different because you've got the people who are shielding. Obviously, they can't go. You've got the people that don't want to go because they don't feel safe. So, you know, the pool of people is a lot smaller. But, you know, you've got people saying, oh, you know, we need to get fans back into stadiums, and they couldn't sell a 1,000 tickets for it. So... But I, you still haven't made an, an argument against it. There's nothing, there's nothing to suggest that this shouldn't happen or they shouldn't allow fans... There. I'm, what I'm saying is that coronavirus will kill a lot of clubs, but what I'm saying is that in the grand scheme of things, does it matter? Yeah, I think it does. I think it's, it's, it is the grassroots of football. I think a lot of top players
2: that are English have come through playing for these teams. Vadi! playing their football that, that are supported mm. by the non-league infrastructure and grassroots football, and that's how it develops. Uh, you know the big clubs might be able to take a kid at 8 years old and turn him into a superstar but that probably isn't the case and the reason that people love football and watch it is because there is that grassroots availability of the game and that actually spans into the conference because the kids at grassroots that are good enough probably end up playing at that level conference or just below I'm going to digress so what my mate said is that the football's still decent the proximity to the games is much closer they're still people's local team he then exaggerated there's no fucking VAR Fans are individuals rather than just a line in a set of accounts. The guy, it's it's good football. No it's good football played by a variety, not played by a variety of global mercenaries. <laughs> so, a bit of a dig against
0: I think so. I I wouldn't mind, but it is quite expensive to go and watch. Northern I think
2: football. down art down Bromley Way. He said it's not that expensive. It's like hundred quid or hundred and twenty quid a year for his ticket. But looking at kitty, looking at kitty Harriers, who's local to us, it's really
3: expensive. It's it's. Quite expensive, yeah. I mean, thinking back to the... It must be 15 years since I personally went to a Kid Mr Harrier's game, and it was one bank holiday Monday when there was no other football on apart from non-league, so me and my me and my dad went. And I remember, like, being at the time, it would have been you using a, an under-21s ticket for the Wolves, and it's only about £5 different in the price. And effectively, you're going up a fair few leagues there, even though it was <laughs> Championship football at the time. But the difference in quality was was outstanding. And, I do
2: genuinely think, yeah. though, that they need the fans to survive. The difference between three hundred and a thousand to them is they probably do. their turnover for the week.
3: Yeah, they do, and we're going to see more and more clubs going like it. I mean, uh, Macclesfield seemed to have disappeared without anywhere near yeah. the amount of press coverage as uh, as Berry got, didn't they? And it's gonna it's gonna happen more and more.
2: I think it's wrong that the Premier League don't do something about it. Uh, an in, an industry that is turning billions a year and billions in profit a year, not helping what actually is the foundation of its sport,
0: is wrong. But you don't get in any other business. Uh, do
2: you? Well, you pay tax. No. And we don't pay tax in football.
0: You don't get British Airways saving whiz air, do you? They could buy it.
2: <laughs> whiz air. They could buy it, technically, if they wanted to. I think football's a, it is for, but football is so for the people. It is more than any other thing I can think of. There is no other business that creates so much joy or need or that virile want that we've all got and everyone that listens got. I Personally, I... You I quite like it. going and watching non-league football if there's no Wolves game on a Saturday which there hasn't been for fucking years because the FA, FA are a bunch of... <laughs> um, I don't mind going and popping along and watching Dulwich Hamlets for a 15 quid. They serve good beer and
0: the food's better than at Molyneux.
4: And you can drink the pint by the side of the pit. In, in a glass. The in an draw. actual
0: glass. <laughs> yeah, so I thought it was just a, an interesting thing. We'll see what happens. I mean, I, I imagine lots of clubs will disappear and, and I imagine they won't come back and then uh, everyone will build on it and Bayless will be there oh don't get me wrong hat and don't get me wrong boots. if Agbra
2: if Kili go bust I'm buying the land and I'm going to build on it no question <laughs> like no
0: question
3: <laughs> yeah I that's how much you love that's how much you love long non-league football I suppose the thing the thing is though that even even before the pandemic and your 15 quid once every two years on a Saturday when there's no other football or <laughs> yeah, cricket yeah. isn't really going to help much, is it? So. You,
2: actually, in all fairness to the club I mentioned, they actually get a fair few fans through the gate. For what is non-league football,
0: Dulwich Hamlets do pretty well. How many? I mean, I'd say 1,500. Yeah, that's pretty maybe. good for nonsense football. The only good thing to go out at Dulwich Hamlet is George Illacobi. Average attendance, 1,343. That's pretty good. Feel free to give me some pelters on social media. Uh, I'll be more than happy to ignore all of them. Uh, what we'll do is we'll wrap it up there. We'll say
4: goodbye to Harry Mansell. Yeah, just a last one from me. Check out our YouTube channel to see our beautiful faces discussing some of the things you might have heard. See you in a bit.
0: Perfect. And uh, it's a goodbye from Dan Bayliss. Yep. cheers, Wolves fans. See you soon. And Jack Williams. ta And it's a goodbye from me. Goodbye. The 77 Club.
2: The Wolves Podcast for the Gold and Black Army. Sports Social Podcast Network.
1: 18 plus.